Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you all this morning in the house of the Lord. And amen. Hold on to your seats this morning. <laughs> amen. It's too late to leave now. <laughs> I've already seen you. <laughs> I'm excited about the word this morning. The Lord has given me a word to encourage you, to strengthen you. You know, I believe that God wants us to be strengthened. He wants us to be encouraged. He also wants us to rise up and take up the call that is placed on each and every one of our lives. I believe that there is something unique and special about each and every person in this room. Or if you're watching online, you're also special. Amen? <laughs> Not as... Never mind. <laughs> We wish you were all here with us in the building. But, you know, um, I think this morning I want to just get right into this message. And I've entitled the message, Devastating Timidity. Devastating Timidity. And the reason why it's so strong is because timidity is actually something that is a very big problem in the kingdom of God. You know, there's no contradiction between having love in your heart but also being bold. We need to be bold. We need to be strong. As Christians, we are anything but normal. Amen. Who wants to be normal? You better not raise your hand. <laughs> I remember once somebody said to me, you know, well, you know, I just want to be normal. And I wondered to myself, what does that mean? What is normal? I think your normal and my normal are different. And I think the person sitting next to you, normal is different to them. So why don't we all just be individual? Be what God called us to be and be as He created us to be. Amen? Well, you know, you're just weird. Well, I'd rather be weird and be like some of the things that people want us to be like today. Amen? The Bible has a lot to say about this specific subject. If we go to Revelation 21, verse number 8, it's some strong language here. He says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have, have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, it's interesting, we... We know, most of us in this room will know that the second death speaks of eternal fire, eternal brimstone. So that's when you die, you, you, that's the first death, but you're not really dead. The second death is this. This is really where judgment comes in at the end, right at the end of the age. But it's interesting, if you look at this list, you know, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, like that's a heavy list. But it's interesting that the very first thing on the list is the cowardly. The cowardly. God has a problem with cowards. Don't look at me like that. That's in the Bible. That's not me. I'm not, that didn't create that word. That's what it says. You know, and if you look at the context of it, you study the book of Revelation. Right at the book of Revelation, he addresses the, the churches. And in, the, in his address to the churches, the primary message there is to overcome. That we should become overcomers. You know, but there are many that will be persecuted, rejected, 
that you know, things will be challenging for them, and they'll run away. They'll turn away. You know, and, and they, you know, they can become timid or like cowards, and, 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 the, and the results don't look good. Are you with me? So cowardness or being a coward or timidity, because really timidity and, and, and cow, being cowardly are very much the same thing. The, the Greek word is, is totally related. They are the same. So it's very interesting that God really has a problem with timidity or being a coward. The truth is, is that most cowards or most people that, I don't even like saying it, cowards, you know, most cowards, most people that are timid, let's rather say that, most people that are timid, they can't handle persecution. Most people that are timid don't want to face confrontation. Let me, let me say something to you. I hate confrontation. Just because I have to have it doesn't mean I enjoy it. So, you know, it's not that I enjoy confrontation. It's not that I enjoy persecution or having to go in and sort something out or having to deal with something in my family or having to sort something out with the children. You know, these are things that we have to do in our lives. And the question is, are we going to do them or are we going to be timid or are we going to be like a coward and just leave it? You know, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, not peacekeepers. A peacekeeper is someone that is timid. A peacemaker is someone that is bold. A peacemaker goes in and says, right, things are not in order. Let's get them in order. Things are not straight. Let's get them straight. That's a peacemaker. A peacekeeper goes in and says, don't worry, everything will be fine. You just carry on doing what you're doing. Let's, you just carry on doing what you're doing. You know, this person, don't worry, the other person's wrong. Don't worry, she's wrong. That's a peacekeeper. A peacemaker will go and say, listen, I really love you, but you're wrong. Amen. Timid people don't tend to progress in their workplace. Timid people often don't enjoy the success of life. How many of you want to be successful in everything that you do? You cannot be timid. You have to be bold. You have to stand out. You can't be normal. Amen. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He's, he's given us a different spirit. He's given us love and power and a sound mind. He's given us His spirit. Do you know how powerful that is? You have His spirit in you. You should never, be able, you should never back down to, from anything. You should always be bold. You should always be strong. I'm not saying you must look for confrontation. I'm not saying you must try and be nasty or be ugly. That's just being stupid. I'm talking about when you have to stand up for righteousness, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Someone that seeks righteousness will stand firm for what is right, will, will face confrontation, will face affliction, will face difficult circumstances, but stand up for what is true and what is right. Are you with me? Timidity will prevent you from fulfilling your purpose. The scriptures speak of many from the very beginning of, 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 of the Bible. We, we see many. We see Moses. We see David. Individuals that had moments, Gideon, where they were, they had moments where they, where they were like, they were timid, they were scared. You know, Moses said, listen, Lord, you know, send my brother rather. But a few, a few months later, he's standing in front of Pharaoh saying, let my people go. You know, and then it didn't happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen, so you had to come back and say, let my people go. 
and then it didn't work out again. He came back and said, let my people go. Are you with me? He had boldness. He stood up for what was true and what was right, what the Lord wanted. And eventually, the Lord came through for him. Amen. Everything happened as the Lord said it would happen. But can you imagine going to Pharaoh time and time again, having to stand there with the guards walking towards Pharaoh, being intimidated by these big Egyptian soldiers walking towards Pharaoh who can in an instant say, listen, just kill him. Listen, he's aggravating me. Kill him. But Moses had the courage to go back time and time again. He had the courage. He had the boldness. He had the tenacity to be firm, to be bold, to be different. Amen. Last time I preached a sermon entitled, uh, The Multitude or the One? The question is, what are we? Are we the multitude that just follows Jesus or are we the one? It's a, it's a good message. You should go listen to it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's, you know, I never said this in the first service, but when you talk to someone who's timid, they normally don't look you in the eye. A, term, a timid person can't express himself properly. They are easily overwhelmed. They are overly intimidated, and most certainly they avoid conflict. If I'm pressing your buttons, that's the point. Amen? That's the point. Timid people say things like, I, 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 can I really do this? I don't think I have what it takes. What if my performance isn't good enough? I'm not as good as those guys. There is no point in trying this. I'm not cut out for this. Nobody in my family has, has ever been able to do this, so I won't either. That's a timid person. You know, it, the, the Bible tells us that when we are born again, we become a new creation. Listen to this. It says, all things have passed away. Old things, all things have passed away. Everything has been made new. You have now been adopted into a new family. You don't have to be anything like the, the failures of your past or the failures of your family from the past. And we love our families. Listen, my dad's sitting right there. Amen. So nothing but love, Dad. <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs 28, verse number one, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Isaiah 41 tends, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be full of fear. Are you with me? And the Bible has a great lesson about this in the book of Timothy. Let's go and take a look at this. Paul addresses Timothy, and we know that Timothy was Paul's spiritual son, so the relationship was an intimate. They were close, and he loved him dearly. And he shares something here extremely powerful that I think many of us miss because we don't understand the Greek language. You know, what's amazing about the Greek language, I said this to my father a week ago. I said, you know, isn't it amazing that Jesus came at the time that the Greek language was the primary language? And I believe that was so intentional because the Greek language has so much more meaning than the English language. So in order for us to get real revelation, we must go and have a look at what it means in the original language, or we miss the substance. We miss the power. We miss the meaning. So let's go. 2 Timothy 1 verse number 6. And this is how he starts. He says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you, 
through the laying on of hands. And the word stir up in the Greek, this is not my message, but this is so powerful. The Greek word for stir up means to revive. It means to rekindle. It means to light up again. Listen, he's saying, Timothy, listen, you're a young pastor. There's a lot of challenges, a lot of things you're going to have to deal with, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of arguments, a lot of challenging, a lot of problems, a lot of people, all kinds of things that will happen. These people won't like you. These people will like you. These people will have stuff to say about you. This one will reject you. This one will persecute you. He's saying, listen, in the midst of all of that, I want you to stir up that gift. I want you to revive what's been placed in your life. I want you to rekindle what's been placed in your life. The call of God that's on you. I want you to revive it. I want you to take a hold of it. He's saying, stir up the gift inside you, Timothy. Stir it up. Stir it up. Amen. I just want you to know, right now, the first service was so much more responsive than you guys. Just just putting that out there. And then he says this. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, it's very interesting because... Again, the Greek language is so powerful. Did you know that there are two primary words for Greek, in the Greek for fear? The one is phobia, and the second one is delia. And, and the word used here is not phobia. Phobia is like a phobia, which is to be frightened, afraid, or to be terrified. So that's when something makes you scared or afraid. That's the word phobia. But the word used here is the word delia, which means to be a coward, or to be timid. So what he's saying to Timothy is he's saying, God has not given you a spirit of timidity. God has not given you a spirit like a coward. What's in you, Timothy, that you must stir up is the gift of God. And the gift of God is not scared of anything. The gift of God will stand firm and be bold and not be afraid of anything. Don't be a coward, Timothy. Don't be timid, Timothy. There are going to be things you're going to have to face. There's going to be challenges that will come your way. But you need to be bold. You need to stand strong. That's what he's saying. I'm just thinking about what happened this week. (laughs) I'll just leave it there. Okay. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He he doesn't want us to be timid. He doesn't want us to be cowardly. God wants you to be bold. He wants you to be firm and strong. Stand true on what is truth and what is right. Do this in every area of your life. It's so important. He says, he's given, he says, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Do you understand when he describes that, he literally describes the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is love. The Spirit of God is sound. The Spirit of God is truth and powerful. And that's the Spirit that's been placed on the inside of you. That's the Spirit that you have been given. Operate from that place. Operate from that place. Don't operate from how you feel. You must recognize when David stood in front of Goliath and he looked at that ugly giant. He must have been afraid in his feelings. But he looked at that giant and said, who do you think you are? Do you not understand who my God is? He says, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? Why? Because he had a different spirit. David had a different spirit. Amen. 
So he says, don't be afraid. He says, you don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And he starts the whole thing off by saying, stir up the gift that's been, that's been placed on the inside of you. Stir it up, Timothy. Recognize who it is that is with you. Recognize who it is that is leading you. Recognize who it is that will give you strength when you're feeling weak. You can do this. Listen, you can do this. And I'm talking to you. You can do this. You can overcome. You can have victory. You can be strong. Listen, you can be great in the kingdom. He says, he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Now, I want you to have a look at a list of things that he gives him. A list of things. He says, I don't want you to be cowardly. I don't want you to have a spirit of fear. There are some things I want you to do. I want you to be bold in these things. Now, there's a long list. If you read the whole second book of Timothy, you'll see these li the list of stuff. But I'm going to give you seven. Seven things that he says he wants him not to be timid in, not to be afraid in. And the first thing is in 2 Timothy 1, verse number 8. Remember, verse 7 is, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Verse number 8. So never be ashamed to tell others about Jesus, about our Lord. Never be ashamed. Never be afraid. Never be timid to talk about the Lord. Well, what are they going to think about me? Who cares? Who cares what they think about you? Be bold. Listen, have you seen the guy with a little van on the street that says Jesus loves you, that preaches with his loudspeaker? I love that guy. Amen. I love that guy. He is bold. He's ferocious. And there'll be some that'll mock him. But let me tell you, every time they drive past you, they hear, repent, for Jesus is coming. Repent, He's coming again. They hear it every time they drive past Him. They may mock Him, they may scold Him, but somebody's got to do it. By the way, He comes to our cafe every now and then. <laughs> Don't be ashamed to speak about Jesus. This is the first thing he says to Timothy. Listen, you got to preach Christ. You got to preach Jesus. You got to preach the word, Timothy. This is what you got to do. That's the first thing. He says this. He says, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And then he says this, and do not be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. This is amazing. But when we read this, we miss what's going on. Paul speaks often about those that turned against him or those that came into the church that would preach a different gospel, a different message. And Paul would go around and he would say, I'm an apostle. This is who I am. And he would preach Christ and him crucified. Now he's in jail and they're all going, look, he's not the real deal. If he was, he wouldn't be in prison. And he's saying to Timothy, listen, you mustn't be ashamed of me. You mustn't be timid when it comes to me. You must be bold. I've taught you the right way. Listen, I'm not talking about he was thrown in prison because he did something illegal. He was thrown in prison because he was preaching the gospel. So the persecution was true and real. Are you with me? And he's saying, don't, don't look at them. Don't be ashamed of me. 
because others have been ashamed of him. Look at what it says. With the strength God gives you, he says, he says, and do not be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him, with the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. In other words, listen, you have to stand true on what is right and what is true. You have to be bold for the truth of God's word and defend God's word at any cost. Listen, I'm in prison because of it. And I wanna let you know, if you're gonna stay supportive, if you're gonna stand true, you may end up there too. He says, so don't be ashamed, but understand God will give you the strength because if you do this, you may also get into trouble. I want you guys to know that day is coming where you will have to face these things. You will have to, we, we, we may have to face this in, in the very near future. I could spend a whole morning talking about what's going on on the planet. Next time. He says, I want you to be bold. I want you to be stand firm. I want you to preach Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of me. And listen, when you do that, understand that you might also end up in the same way. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1 verse 13. He says this, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who, loves, who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. He's saying, listen, the truth of God's word, you need to protect it. You need to protect it, hold it, keep its integrity. You must understand, guys. When you filter or water down the truth, you lo it loses its power. As soon as you take away from God's word what is pure and holy and true, it's watered down and loses its authority. Paul was worried about this. This concerned him. That's why he said to Timothy, make sure that you hold on to the truth that I've taught you because these doctrines that are coming in will pollute the truth and the church will look bad will be sick, will be ill, will be lukewarm, will lose their first love, will have no power. A church without power is a dead church. Are you with me? This is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you've got to hold on to that truth. You've got to, you've got to hold on to that truth with everything. Don't let it go. Preach it. Make sure you do it. That's why today there's all these things, all these teachings. You know, you don't have to do anything anymore. We don't have to be bold anymore. Just, you know, everything's done. Everything's been done. The finished work of the cross. Yes, the finished work of the cross has made everything available to you. The enemy has been placed under your feet. Before the cross, you could not even, you, you would run from the devil. Now he's under your feet. Are you with me? Oh, well, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, not, let's not talk about the devil because, you know, he's, he's just defeated. Yes, he's defeated. But if he's aggravating me in my life, I'm going to say, get lost. Get out. Go away. I don't need you here. You've got no place here. Away with you. Amen. But you've got to be bold. You can't be a coward. You can't be timid. You have to stand firm. If you have situations that you're facing, you must be bold. He goes on in verse 15 and says, as you know, everyone from the province of Asia. Did you hear that? The whole province of Asia. Do you know how big that is? We're talking about many cities have de deserted him. And then it says, even Phygelus and Hermogenius, 
what's amazing about this is we know Paul's name. We know Timothy's name, and we know a lot about them. These two characters, we are only given their name one time. Why? Because there's nothing to learn about them, except that they were part of the group that rejected what Paul was teaching and what he was doing. And the only reason why you know their names is because God doesn't want your name to be remembered like that. A bold person, someone with courage that wants to preach the gospel, that wants to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, that wants to make a difference, doesn't have pride in him. That's not pride. That's boldness. That's courage. You have to believe that you can do something great for the king. When David faced Goliath, he didn't go, listen, I don't want to have pride. He said, you stupid, ugly Philistine, I'm going to sort you out. Are you with me? You have to be bold. You have to have courage. What was the key that David had? He knew where his strength came from. He understood where his strength came from. True humility is resting in the fact that God is your strength, that you can rely and trust on Him. You know that it's not you. When we say less of me and less of me and more of you, God, that's what we mean with all of our hearts. But that doesn't mean that you must disappear and do nothing. I guarantee you, you do nothing, nothing will happen. Well, you know, we don't have to do works anymore. Do no works, nothing will happen. Don't preach, no one will hear the gospel. Amen. These two characters that, that were obviously prominent leaders or moving into the position of prominent leaders ended up also following this whole group that turned against Paul. Man, if we had to see this in the church today, we'd all be confused. But one thing that Paul did was he held firm to the truth and never moved off it. That's the problem with the church today. We have all these New ideas, new things, new, new revelations, all this stuff. And most of it is so filtered down from the real truth. Paul understood this. That's why he got to the point where he said, I just preach Christ and Him crucified. That's the message I preach because that's the message that changes lives. That's the message that heals the sick. That's the message that delivers the broken. That's the message that restores people's hearts. Let's go to 2 Timothy 2.15. I can't give you them all. 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, watch this. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Don't work hard, you are not approved. That's very anti-culture today. That's even very anti-the church in some circles today. He says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker. There's that word again. Oh, no. One who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. You have to apply yourself. You have to seek the Scriptures. You have to be hungry for God's Word. You have to desire. And listen, this goes for every area of your life. I said last night, you don't be that employee that at 4.45, you're, not, you're supposed to leave at 5. At 4.45, your bags are packed, your desk is neat, you're watching the clock, you're ready to go home. Three minutes to five, you're out the door. You will never change anything. 
You will never change anything. God is not looking for the guy that's ready to leave half an hour early. He's looking for the guy that will go the extra mile. He's looking for the guy that will work the hardest. He's looking for the guy that will pray the most. He's looking for the guy that will seek him more than anybody else. Listen, in a time where we are desperate to see a revival, to see a move of God, God is looking for a desperate people to pour His Spirit out upon. Amen. Listen, I'm not saying if there are certain days that you want to go home early. Listen, there are days where my bag's packed even earlier than that. But sometimes it's 9.30 at night and I forgot that we were supposed to leave at 5. Amen. There's nothing wrong with hard work. It's good to work. It's good to work hard. It's good to have an excellent spirit. It's good to have a bold spirit. It's good to, to have courage, to want to make a difference. You want God to use you? If you can't even take care of your basic job, how can He use you? Well, God must just give me this and then I'll do it. No, He's looking to see what you're going to do with what you have. And listen, I'm preaching to myself. Is that okay? Man, and this part just gets me so much. This next part is so powerful. He says this, he says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And I had to look at those words because they really are powerful. The first word that he uses there is convince. And the word convince means to bring to light. It means to bring to light or to expose. So in other words, he's saying, Timothy, when you preach the word, when you speak to others, when you minister, I want you to expose what's dark. I want you to bring to light what's not correct. And I want you to bring it to, I want you to give life to it. I want you to, to bring the truth out. I want you to identify what isn't right. The next word he, he uses is very powerful. Now understand the relationship here. This is a spiritual father speaking to a spiritual son, trying to teach him how to love his people, how to take care of his people, how to take care of his family, how to take care of those around him. So he says, convince, bring to light, expose. Then he says, rebuke. No one here likes to be rebuked. What happened? Well, you don't like to get rebuked at all anymore. Who likes to get rebuked? <laughs> Amen. Rebuke, a rebuke sometimes is so necessary. Gone is the day that parents rebuke their children. If you're a father, you cannot be a coward. You must stand up and raise your children. When they do something wrong, you should rebuke them. In fact, you should discipline them. That's what you are called to do. We are called to, to rebuke those that we love so that they can become stronger, so that they can, they can be encouraged, so that they can be worth something of value in the kingdom of God. Amen. And if you're a mom, you can do the same. But so many today I've had, I cannot tell you how many women come in for counseling so I just wish my, my husband would discipline the children. What's happened to us? We're so busy. Oh, I don't want to go on this rabbit trail. We are so busy. Well, the marriage conference has been canceled, so I'll give you this. We are so busy with our own lives, with our own friends, 
with our own men's groups that we have neglected original intent. God's original intent for man was a woman. When God created man, he gave him a woman to share his life with, to share his experiences with, to confide in, to love, to nurture, to take care of. That's what you are called to do, not to play golf three times a week, not to be with your friends every time. You want to go to Bible study? Great, go do it. But are you doing it with your wife first? I'm not against men's things. I'm all for it. But what I'm saying is take your rightful place. Don't be a coward. Amen. Don't be timid. I'm actually enjoying that now. Okay, it's, too, it's not good. Let's, let's just go on. Amen. Listen, ladies, don't celebrate too much. I could go, I could, I could, I could let rip right here. We'll just stop right there. But, and after he speaks about rebuking, he says this. This is so powerful, guys. He says exhort. And the word exhort there means to encourage, to comfort. So in other words, he's saying to Timothy, listen, I want you to preach. The Bible tells us that we should teach our children. We should teach them the ways of the Lord. In fact, we should, we should teach them to them in the morning. We should teach it to them in the daytime. We should teach it to them at night. We should teach it to them all the time. He says this. He says we should preach the word. Then he says convince. In other words, bring to light. What's wrong, reveal it. What's not right, expose it. Are you with me? And then he says when things are wrong and you've exposed it, then rebuke. Take care of it. Rebuke and say, listen, this is not right. You need to change. We need to change things. And then after you've rebuked, a good father will always comfort and show love and encourage. And that's how we are supposed to be. We're supposed to be bold, yes. We're supposed to face every circumstance and take on every challenge, but our hearts always need to be in the right place. Our motives always need to be pure. Listen, when I used to get a hiding from my father, which was every now and then, the one thing that was always amazing to me as a child was how after he would give me a hiding, how immediately he would be loving towards me. And I really believe that's how God is with us. God's rebukes is not because he wants to hurt you, it's to help you, it's to make you stronger. And listen, after he's done it, and even while he's doing it, he still loves you so much. But as believers today, we've become so timid. We're so worried about what everybody thinks, what everybody says. We're so concerned about everybody that we, we, we're not bold to stand for what is true and what is right. This is, what, this, is, this, is, this is a major crisis today in the church, even in the church. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 11, there's a story about Nahash the Ammonite. And Nahash the Ammonite goes with his army and surrounds Jabesh Gilead. And basically the army of Jabesh sees this army of the Ammonites coming and he's so overwhelmed that says, listen, can we surrender? So the, this, 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 this Israeli army says, listen, we, can we surrender? And he turns around and Nahash is so proud and full of himself that he says, he says, listen, you can surrender, but I wanna take one of each of your, of your eyes. And they actually considered it, but said, listen, 
We just first want to find out, can we have seven days to find out if anyone will support us? This Ammonite was so full of pride and arrogance that he said, you know what? Go ahead. Take seven days. So he sends riders out to go and see if they can get help. Everybody's terrified. Everybody's crying because everyone's going to lose their eyes. You know, it's over. This, this Ammonite king, he, ruler, he's just so strong. He's so powerful. He's going you know, to wipe us out. And Saul had just been appointed king by Samuel. And while he is in the field, the Bible says, the word came to Saul. And when the word came to Saul, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now watch this. Normally when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, we think he's going to say something nice or he's going to sing hallelujah or something like that. But the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and his anger was aroused. In other words, it says that he became angry. Saul became angry. There was an anger that rose up inside of him. There was no timidity. There was no cowardness. Everyone else is weeping and crying, but he says, listen, this is not right. And a, and a righteous anger, a righteous anger arises in him. He goes and takes his, an ox and cuts it into pieces. And then he says that anyone who does not come with me to fight this guy, this is what will happen to you. There is nothing this is hectic, right? Come on. This is in the Bible. This is 1 Samuel chapter number 11, verse 1 to about 14, okay? And what happens is the people heed him. They heed his words, and he raises up this huge army that goes and destroys that army in a heartbeat. Why? Because someone had courage. Someone had boldness. Everybody else is weeping. Oh, woe is me. We defeated. We've got no chance. Listen, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. There is nothing timid. There is nothing average. There is nothing normal about you. You need to be bold. You need to be courageous. You need to take what God has placed on the inside of you and have victory after victory after victory. Amen. What many people don't know is when Jesus was with his disciples on the boat and he's asleep in the front of the boat, the Bible tells us that the disciples became restless, woke him up. And when they woke him up, Jesus rebukes the storm, turns to his disciples and says, why are you fearful? The word fearful there is not the word phobia. The word fearful there is, why are you acting like a bunch of cowards? Now, that's the Alex Pappas translation, okay? <laughs> and then he says, why do you have so little faith? In other words, guys, listen. When you have to face trials, storms, situations, don't be timid. God has not given you a spirit of timidity. But the spirit that he's given you is of love power and a sound mind. When you trust in God, you can be bold. At work, don't let anybody walk all over you. You are a Christian. You are a son and daughter of the King of Kings. Don't be mean. Don't be ugly. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is be bold, but back it up with excellence. Work hard. Have a good attitude. Can you say amen? Amen. 
I believe with all of my heart that God is raising His church up in this hour to be bold. The Bible says when God speaks to Joshua, in fact, He says this to Joshua, I think three or four times. He says to him, only be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous. I was telling the church in the first service this morning, I was driving in the car with my family not too long ago, and I was really feeling low. How many of you know what it's like to feel low? And I said to them, I said, listen, I said, I feel really awful right now. And if I take everything that's going on, I feel just, I just feel, I just, I'm so tired. I'm just really tired of all of this. And I said to them, I said, but you know what? I know that's not the way it really is. God is in control. I said, I said to them, I don't have to. This is how I feel. I want you all to know how I feel. But God's got us. God's got this. Are you with me? Don't submit to your circumstances. Don't submit to your environment. My pastor taught me many times, he said this to me many times when I'm finished on the phone with him, he'll say to me, Alex, if you cannot control yourself, you will not be able to control your environment. We are always so affected by everything that comes our way. When you learn to control yourself, when everything comes your way, those things, your whole environment will change, guys. Everything will shift. God has appointed you. He has anointed you. He has placed His Spirit on the inside of you. Nothing is impossible for you. You can overcome any obstacle, any trial, any storm, any situation. Only be bold and courageous. Only have courage. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Go for it. Go for it. Be all that God has called you to be. Amen. 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 All right. <laughs> Are you guys all okay? Amen. Don't have a spirit or an attitude like a coward. Be strong, guys. Be strong. Rise up. Men, take your place in the family. Women, take your place in the family. Children, treat your parents with love and respect. Honor your parents. And be an example to your family. Serve the Lord with all of your heart. What did Paul say to Timothy? He said, listen, get away from those things that are going to draw you to what's wrong. And even those people. Are you with me? Amen. You have to sometimes stand up to people and in situations, you have to stand up for what is right and what is true. And never forget, when you read that scripture now, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I hope but you'll always remember that he's talking about being bold. Who in this room has seen the movie Cool Runnings? Cool Runnings. It's about the Jamaican bobsled team. It's really, it really happened. And there's a scene where he has to speak to his father. And Yul Brenner is the one guy says to him, he says, listen, he says, you, you have power. He says, you, you are courageous. I can't remember exactly what he says. 
and he, and he gets all excited and he walks up to his father and he says, you know, father, he says, I, I am brave. I am courageous. And, he, he, and then his father looked at him for the first time and said, and, and I think he got such a shock. He wasn't disrespectful. In fact, he was extremely respectful. But for the first time he stood up, he was bold. That's how God is wanting us to be. He wants us to recognize what is placed on the inside of us. He wants us to recognize that we have all of heaven backing us up and we can do anything that he, that he calls us to do. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, this morning in this place, we give you thanks, Lord. We honor you, Lord. There's so much to learn. We want to grow, Father. We want to become more like Jesus every day. Help us, Father, to not have a spirit of fear or timidity, but to, to understand that we have a, a spirit. We have your spirit, love, power, a sound mind. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room will do as Paul instructed Timothy, that they will stir up the gift that is inside of them. Lord, that they will fulfill their purpose and, 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 and the plan that you have for them and not allow the distractions, the worries, the problems of this world to ever stand in their way from fulfilling the purpose you have for them. Lord, everyone in this room has everything they need to be successful in every area of their lives because they have you. That doesn't mean it's always easy. That doesn't mean it's always, it's, sometimes it's so difficult. But we have you, Lord. We have your spirit. And so I pray this morning that you will just strengthen every person in this room. Lord, some people are going through very difficult things. I ask that you would comfort them. Comfort them, Lord. Strengthen them, Father. I pray, Father, for every family, for every child, mother, father, Lord, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult to raise children in this environment in the, on the earth right now. But you have given us everything we need to do it. So I pray for every family. I pray for the marriages this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen marriages, that you would cause husbands and wives to become closer than ever, Father. We love you, Father. We praise and worship you. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Spirit be with each and every one of you as you leave this place today. In the mighty name of Jesus.